Hello, and welcome to the Brandon's Bikes Podcast, where we discuss not only cycling, but all endurance sports. From race previews to post-race reviews, training, nutrition, and more, we like to encourage people of all fitness levels to live an active lifestyle and explore their physical and mental limits in a safe and responsible way. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy. In tonight's podcast, we'll be talking with Coach Steve Bacon. Steve is a breakthrough coach, motivational speaker, author, and owner of Belief Theory. Belief Theory is a transformation strategy developed by Steve and delivered by a powerful team of professionals. Steve is a certified master practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming, certified in cognitive behavioral therapy, and certified facilitator of the National Training Curriculum Institute. The knowledge that healed people, heal people, drives Steve and his team to build a world with less suffering by empowering clients to break free of behavioral patterns that no longer serve them. In tonight's podcast, we'll be discussing the mental aspect of sports, how you can deal with mental roadblocks and training, staying motivated during these challenging times with COVID, and goal setting for 2021. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Okay. Mr. Steve Bacon. Yes. Sorry. Can you hear me? Yeah. I know what happened. I was trying to plug in my headphones so I can hear you better. And it cut off my mic and then I couldn't hear you either way. All good. Well, hey, yeah. we gotta we gotta start over with your introduction. We do. We do. Let me hear it from the top. Hey, what's going on, family? It's your coach Steve Bacon. Absolutely. There it is. For those of you that don't know. I have no idea why that makes me laugh every time. (laughs) I love it. My whole family loves it. For those of you that don't know, once you check out, I'll put Steve's information in the show notes, but once you check out his Facebook page and his, his, uh, his website and everything, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. You'll get it. So, you know, what's funny is my mother-in-law, your cousin, uh, sent me a coffee mug for Christmas that literally has S T E E E E E E E E E bacon on it. Nice man, I like it. I like it. Hey, before we get started, a little bit of a trademark. Yeah, no, that's great, man. Before we get started, since this is a sports podcast, why don't you let us know what your recovery drink of choice is for tonight? Moscato. Moscato, very nice. I like it. Keeping it classy. Yes, sir. I'm sipping on some smooth whiskey from a local uh, distillery, the Virginia Distillery on the rocks, very going down nice. very smooth. Yep, yep. I wish I had some whiskey. Man, I ran out. I usually drink Woodwood's Reserve. Oh, yeah, that's good. See, what happened is you stuff. drank it up all on your last couple podcast episodes. <laughs> right. I had, I, I used to drink Seagram's because I was trying to lose weight, and Seagram's had like zero carbs in it. Mm-hmm. And my friend's uh, father came to visit. And he looked at my my liquor cabinet, or he looked at my freezer, and he goes, whose trash is this? And I was like, well. <laughs> tell, him that's, like, tell him that's Cam's trash. Well. Not so yours. I had to upgrade my whiskey. No, that's good. Well, hey, let me, uh, let me be the first to welcome you. Thank you for joining me on the Brandon Spikes podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time out to do this. I know you're busy. Uh, I talked to you a couple times today. You've been super busy all day. Every day you're out there getting it. So I appreciate you taking the time out to come on. Yeah, man. No, I, it's actually an honor to be here. I remember when this was just a concept in your head, an idea. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had a short conversation. But, man, you talk talk about execution. I mean, you caught on and you just went full steam ahead. I mean, you had your podcast up and running, running before I did. <laughs> and so... That's that's but those are the type type of people I love having conversations with. And usually it, it's it's I don't tell them anything like I didn't tell you anything you already didn't know. I think you were just looking more for confirmation. Um, yeah, I agree. I think so. And, you know, I, I tell people I'm not that smart. Right. Uh, but there's some laws that are true for all human beings. And a lot of times we're just really victims of not knowing how powerful we actually are. 
Mm-hmm. And that's all I do is to just remind people of how incredible they actually are. You know, I think and you're was, incredible and you're incredible. Well, thank you. Um, I think it's it's the ADHD and the OCD that I have. And once I get my mind set on something, that's it. I mean, it's it's all or nothing, you know, and mm-hmm. I've got and I told you on the phone when we talked about this about a month ago that I just had so many ideas flowing through my head. I needed somebody to help me get it down on paper and, and, and put it into action. And, and you were the man for it. You know, I truly think that if I had not spoken to you, uh, what was it a month or so ago that, <clears throat> that I wouldn't be here today. So big ups, man. Thank you, man. Absolutely brother. But uh, the big ups goes, like I said, goes right back to you for pulling the trigger and executing my brother. Well, you deserve you. every bit of success and recognition you're getting. I appreciate you. So um, let's start out. Why don't you tell me um, how, who is Steve Bacon and how did you get started in the coaching? Let me see if I can condense this. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Steve Bacon, like I said in the beginning, um, I am a transformation coach. And to make a very long story short, I teach people how to get move past their past and then teach them how to achieve any and everything they want. For 17 years, I've been studying uh, human behavior and why we do what we do. And it came out of a need really for myself. Um, for those that don't know me, you know, I don't mean to take the uh, conversation, you know, too negative, but you know, my past is my past, but six months after I was born, uh, my mother became addicted to crack cocaine, God rest her soul. And I went to 14 different schools as a result and grew up very depressed and uh, angry a lot of times as a kid because of what I was going through with my mother and my father being absent. And then right around eight years old, my father shows up. And oh, by the way, I was molested as a kid. And so then right around eight years old, my father shows up, takes me to live with him and his family. And, uh, you know, things weren't great between me and him. It was a, a really bad uh, emotionally and verbally abusive relationship. And so um, at, four, at 14, I went back to live with my grandmother and uh, 16, 17, took off to the military and uh, thought everything was going to get better, but it actually got worse and hmm. uh, ended up in two failed marriages, uh, a felony conviction on my record, all before the time I was 20 years old. And Man, I didn't uh, even know a lot of that stuff. Yeah. And, you know, right when my first wife decided she wanted to leave and rightfully so, she had the absolute right to do so. I was crazy. Um, you know, I put a loaded gun in my mouth and pulled the trigger out of depression. And the only thing that saved me was the safety was still on. And mm. shortly after that, I started uh, really uh, heavily drinking to try to mask the pain that I was feeling at the time. And, uh, and that's when all the, the trouble began to happen. But but the point that I'm trying to make is, is I was really at this inflection point in my life where it was either commit suicide or learn a different way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they say when a student is ready, the teacher will appear. Well, for me, it was this guy named Hank. And Hank was a complete stranger to me, didn't know who he was. Um, but he showed up and he introduced me to personal development, self-help books. And one of the first books I remember that year that we spent together that he introduced me to was Think and Grow Rich. And that book began to completely change my life. And not to mention all the different events and things that he took me to. But point is that my self-image began to change. Therefore, the results that I was getting, I could see change. But it took I, I grew this fascination with human behavior and why we do the things we do. Why do some people come from great homes and turn out to be complete duds in life? And then some people grew up in terrible um conditions and turn out to be some of the greatest people that we celebrate today whether they're here today or you know uh buried away mm-hmm. what's the difference between those people what happens how does someone change the results that they're getting and that just has been my fascination for the last 17 years and once i figured out how to change me and what was true for all human beings i said that i was going to dedicate the rest of my life to teaching others how to get out of bad situations or just get out of situations that they don't like and create the life they want. Cause we only get one run at this thing. This isn't, there's no, there's like, this isn't a scrimmage, right? This is a real game, right? This is practice. This is the real game. So 
why not learn how to live it the way you want instead of the way that you know your environment programmed you to live it so man that's, that's good that's totally shortest explanation i think i've ever given <laughs> that's good though i mean that's that's motivational just listening to it and before i forget i got to i got to bring something up i'm going to get off topic a little bit but it's it's funny that you say that um you know some people grow up with a bad uh, childhood and a bad home and, and turn out to be these wonderful people and, you know, vice versa. But a lot of the like documentaries and athletes that I've followed over the years, a lot of them have come from those types of backgrounds where they, you know, they were missing a parent or they had multiple parents or they, you know, they were alcoholics or drug addicts or something like that. And they turn out to be phenomenal endurance athletes. What do you, I'm going to put you on the spot here, but what do you think that is off the top of your head that, that contributes to something like that? Struggle. Struggle is. The th struggle is like a breeding ground. Struggle allows a human being to really understand what they're capable of. Right. It's kind of like when you're lifting weights. If you are only lifting weights that you're comfortable lifting, which means like my mentor used to tell me because I used to bodybuild, he used to say, if it's not burning, it's not building. Mm -hmm. Right. Like the breakdown and the recovery. Exactly. You have yep. to push your, the, let's say you're doing 10 reps. Well, the first six should be relatively easy, but those last four should hurt. Right. Mm -hmm. Because the only way the muscle gets stronger is through the struggle, through the breakdown and the buildup. Right. And so the same thing in life, struggle allows us to learn what we're capable of. Struggle allows us to build resilience. And so these people like me who came from these really tough backgrounds, we learned how to become resilient. Mm -hmm. We learned that it doesn't matter what the situation is, I can still overcome it. We just learn that resourcefulness and that resiliency that people who, you know, who tend to grow up in, I, I want to say pristine environments, but everything is really provided for them. Those muscles of resourcefulness and resilience are never really expressed. So they, it's kind of like, so when I tell some of my clients, it's like, treat your kids like adults in training because that's what they are. One day they won't, you won't be here. And if right. you do everything for them and you don't allow them to struggle, then when you're dead and gone, they're going to be like a fish out of water because you've done you've done everything for them. Unfortunately, that folks like the athletes you're 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 discussing, you know, they did grow up. Some of them did really grow up in some really horrible environments, but it shaped who they were. Right, because you're going to go in those, <clears throat> whether it's endurance sports, you know, and you're looking at longer slower or um a speed uh speed scenario like a 5k 10k half marathon when you're going short but fast you're going to go to a dark place mentally yeah you know and you might be in that dark place for 30 minutes or you might be in that dark place for eight hours but i you know i think you're right that's that's a big contributor is being able to go to that dark place and knowing that you're going to get through it and come out better on the other side you know it's going to end at some point Absolutely. And I think the second thing is, and I was just <clears throat> thinking about it as we were talking, I think the second thing is desire. Growing up in, in that environment, I knew for me personally, um, it was, I want better. My des The desire to have a better life was so strong because I saw how Sally and Jimmy were living. And I'm like, why don't we live that way? And then I look at the way we're living and I'm just like, I don't want this. I want that. And you just develop this white hot desire for a better life. And I'm not saying that people who don't grow up in great environments don't have that desire. But I don't think it's as strong as folks who grow up in a poverty situation. It's a different type of fuel to get through that. Right. You know, like you have that different motivation to finish that race or to to get your PR, you know, than that other person does. So I just think that's two of the different things. And then, you know, there's a, a bunch of other different uh, things I believe that go into it. 
yeah. but definitely desire and struggle. Okay. Uh, so getting back on track, we're going to go back just a little bit. So you told me um, how you got started into coaching and you own, or correct me if I'm wrong, you own fully or you're a partner with somebody on belief theory. So I actually just took on a partner um, a few months ago. Uh, her name is Felicia. So I was 100% owner of Belief Theory. And now um, I'm the majority owner of Belief Theory. But I definitely took on a partner because uh, I realized I cannot do the business side and the coaching side. I like to a just lot. coach, teach, and train. That's it. Right. Everything else? Yeah. The marketing, the business side, the administration, can't do it. Yeah, that's a lot. I mean, if you spend the majority of your day coaching and then you got to come home and build your website and then, you know, market, it's a lot to do. So, so what is belief theory? What does belief theory offer? So belief theory is just a transformational, uh, a transformation coaching company. We do transformation training, transformation uh, coaching. Our desire is to help people who have a poor self-image recognize who they truly are and then reveal to them or help them see what they're capable of. Where our, as my mentor Bob Proctor says, our spiritual DNA is perfect. We're perfect. We don't really necessarily need improvement on that spiritual level. What we need improvement is on our self-image level. Because we don't see how magnificent we are as creatures. There's a reason why human beings dominate the planet. We have the ability to create whatever world we want to create, yet the environments that we grow up in puts a cap on a limitless being. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so our goal is to help people realize who they really are by helping them get past their past. Now, there's a lot of companies out there who focus on abundance and prosperity, and so do we. But I remember when I was growing up, I built my company to match what I needed growing up in personal development, right? I would go to these seminars and I would go to these conferences and people would talk about abundance and prosperity and your worth and your value and this, that, and the other. But my belief system would reject those ideas. You understand what I'm saying? Help me understand. So if someone says you're powerful beyond belief, right. it's true. But my belief system, as that message is coming into my head, my belief system completely rejects that idea of I'm powerful beyond measure because I'm like, well, what, what about what happened to me when I was a kid, when I was molested? I couldn't get yeah, out of that. Okay, I can see that. What happened when, when this? What happened with that? What, what happened when I failed? What happened when my mom left? When my dad this? When my dad, right? So I have all these different thoughts of my past that reject this true idea that I am, uh, put, I have potential beyond, you know, what I can consciously recognize. I'm limitless. Mm-hmm. But that it, uh, that idea is rejected when put up against my belief system. It doesn't match. See, we can only think thoughts that are in harmony with our belief system. This is why when someone says something that you don't believe, it makes you feel some type of way. And you just outright reject it. Because it doesn't match up with what you believe. So we only think thoughts in harmony with our belief system. So if I believe at the deepest level that I'm not worthy, I'm not deserving. And then you fuck around and tell me, oh, I'm sorry. And then you mess around. No, that's and, fine. <laughs> and you fuck around and tell me that I am limitless. That doesn't match up with my deepest belief. That's so then how, I feel that's like how just, they see you and that's how they want you to see right. you. But that's not how you see you. Right. But because that doesn't line up with my belief system, I feel like you're just trying to blow smoke up my ass and get money out of me. You see what I'm saying? Right. Well, that's kind of like when I when I called you and was talking to you and we were kind of talking through some self-image issues and you helped me. I never thought about it this way, but you were like, you know, 
self-image and self-esteem is not what you think of yourself. It's what you think other people think of you. Yes, yes, yes. And when you put it like that, I was like, oh, wow. Like, because in my mind, you know, I'm not the best. I'm not the best podcaster. I'm not the fastest bike rider, but um, I'm not a nobody. But I'm sitting here thinking like, well, I put this information out there. I know there's other people out there that are better than me. What are they thinking of me? And that's what you helped me understand that day. And that was, you know, that was impactful for me. Yeah. Well, one of the things is they ain't thinking of you because they're too busy worried about what you're thinking of them. Uh, <laughs> 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 right? Because what's true for me is true for, for all human beings. You, you understand what I'm saying? So when we get into this whole self-image thing, a lot of, like, I remember when I first, you know, was getting into business and I would go to these networking events and I would go to networking events in like Palo Alto, San Francisco, you know, high-end networking events. Mm -hmm. And I'd walk in a room and there'd be all these white people, listeners, I'm black. So just letting you know. So then I walk into a room, <laughs> <laughs> I walk into a room and there's all these white people and they're like older white folks. And in the environment that I grew up in, can't trust white people. Mm -hmm. That's what I was taught growing up. You don't trust white people. They always got an agenda. They look down on us. This is the type of things that I was taught growing up. Okay. Mm -hmm. So here I am trying to do business in my 20s now with older white folks. And I walk into a room and immediately feel out of place. Immediately. And I would see people looking at me and of course they looked at me because I'm a new person walking into a room just like I look at anybody else when they're a new person walking into the room. But in my head, I'm narrating the conversation that I think they're having in their head about me. Right. Man, and I'm going, they probably think that I don't even belong here. They probably wonder what this little black boy doing here. They probably wondering this. They probably thinking that. They probably don't even want me here. And now... Nah, one of them had ever said that. It was always, hey, welcome. And I'm like, they probably lying. <laughs> right? I'm just telling you what's cut. I'm just telling my truth. And I'm telling you what yeah. was going on in my head. And I realized when that's when I got that definition, because I don't I don't have any original ideas. I'm just a student, okay? When I got that definition of self-image, that self-image is not what you think of me. It's not what I think of me. It's what I think you think of me. I realized I was having conversations in my head with people and they had no idea that we were having a conversation and then wonder I'm responding to them in a rude manner <laughs> because I'm having yeah, a conversation you, with them that they're not aware of. Yeah. So before you meet anybody, you've already had 10 conversations, you know, already had 10 conversations. <clears throat> yeah, no, I get it. I get it because I, and I'm sure plenty of the listeners out there, whether they want to admit it or not, when they go to that first group run or they go to the first group ride or they go to their master's swimming class or they they put their toe on the start line of a race. I know for me personally, I'm sitting there thinking, I wonder what they think of my shoes. I wonder what they <laughs> think of my shirt. Do I look too fat in this? Do they think I'm going to win? Do they think I'm going to lose? You know, and it's just all this stuff going through my head. I just got to shut it out, you know? Right, right. You know, it's funny. We were no, watching good. that new show, The Boys. I don't know if you've seen that on Prime Video, uh, but it's uh -huh. really good. It's crazy. It's it's an idea of like, what if superheroes were really just like trash individuals? So it's really good. <laughs> like it's it, it will because, it, you know, we have this notion in our head of what a superhero is supposed to be like. And this mm -hmm. show completely destroys whatever vision of a superhero you had. But there was this one point where the, there was a new girl who got onto the team of the seven, you know, highly praised superheroes. And she says, oh, my God, I've always imagined being here. But now that I'm here, I feel like a fraud. Right. Like like I don't belong here. Mm -hmm. And one of the guys who was one of the originals, he said, and this blew me away. He goes. He says, it's OK. We all still feel that way. Hmm. I was like, wow. And it reminds me of a time I went to Canada. I was flown to Canada to do a seminar on the imposter syndrome. And I said, I think imposter syndrome, just as a diagnosis itself, is the biggest crock of shit I've ever heard. 
because it says 75% of people suffer from the imposter syndrome and the imposter syndrome is that feeling of a fraud. Well, the reason why, and, and it's us believing or thinking that everybody else in the room can clearly see that I'm a fraud. Well, I'm like, well, that's kind of right. narcissistic because what you're saying is everybody else forget what they got going on and forget their self-esteem issues. They're only concentrated on you. Mm -hmm. But really if seven out of 10 people in the room have the imposter syndrome, that nobody's thinking about you because they're too busy worried about what you're thinking about them. Yep. That's good. So those folks that are in the groups and that you were saying, you know, they're going for their first ride, don't worry about what anybody else is thinking of you because they're not thinking about you. They're too busy worried about what you think about them. That's, I mean, that's hitting the nail on the head for sure. You know, and, and that's one of the things I brought up in my, you know, one of the previous videos that I did was like, at some point, you just got to stop thinking about it. You just got to do it, you know, and we've talked about this before. Stop using that word think and start using that word do instead of saying, I think I'm going to sign up for a race or I think I'm going to go for a run tonight. I am going to sign up for a race. Or I am going to go for that run. tonight. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know? So um, when people think of sports they think of swimming running biking weightlifting whatever typically um they only think about the physical aspect of that but the mental aspect of that plays a huge role um help me and help the listeners understand how the mental aspect of sports would play come into play for something like you know a hundred mile bike ride or maybe you know a crossfit competition or a, a 5k or something like that when you say the mental aspect, you mean of what it takes to make it through? Yeah, of getting over that barrier, because I know you've heard this before. I, I hear it all the time when I say, somebody says, how long was your bike ride? Oh, it was 100 miles. Oh, my gosh. I, I, could, I couldn't even drive 100 miles, much less <laughs> ride 100 miles, you know, or... Yeah, I just went out and did a three-mile run, you know, at lunch. Oh, my gosh. I could never – I couldn't even walk three miles, you know. Talk, let's talk about the, the mental aspect of, of getting them out of that type of, you know, stinking thinking and, you know, believing in themselves to do it. And, you know, well, like, like the old saying goes, you know how to eat an elephant is one bite at a time, right, you know. Right. It goes back to what, you know, we were discussing before with belief system. Look, and – I'm going to beat this, you know, I'm going to continue to beat this dead horse, but it all human behavior is belief driven. What you believe you can do or not do just really comes down to what you're programmed to think about yourself. And again, like I said, we only think thoughts and accept thoughts that or ideas that are in harmony with our belief system. And so Anybody can ride 100 miles if they wanted to. The question is, do mm -hmm. they really want to? Right. When someone says, well, how, much, how long are you running? How long are you going? And they go, I'm doing 100 miles. And they go, oh, my God, I don't even think I could. What did you say? Walk 100 miles or something like that? Yeah, I can't even I can't drive even 100, 100 miles. miles yeah. Right. Well, what they're saying is my belief system isn't set up for that. That's a good way to look at it. That's that's all they're saying. It's not that they don't have the potential. Right, you aren't born part of the lucky sperm club. You trained yourself to do a hundred miles because you wanted to, and that's the difference. Most people, when they talk about things that they want to do, Brandon, they're they're talking about wishing. They're not talking about something that they actually want to put in the work to do, because oh, this is a this is a big one. When I learned this, did you know? And most people probably do know. That your subconscious mind doesn't know the difference between real or fake. It's totally deductive. It, it doesn't accept or reject information. It just takes whatever you put into it. And Break that down for me. So there's two parts to your mind. There's a conscience and then a subconscious. The conscious part of your brain is what I call the spirit you. It's the part of you that makes decisions. It's the part of you that thinks. Right. It's the part of you that decides what it is that you want. But that's only 10 percent of your mind. The other 90 percent of your mind is the subconscious mind. And that is like a you remember those old school tape recorders? 
you know the ones where you put the little tape in and you could hit you could hit play record and then you could talk on it yeah right yeah that's yeah. what your subconscious mind is it's an old school tape recorder there's nobody behind the wheel there's no it's and it's amoral there's no right or wrong with it it just accepts whatever you give it it's totally deductive it doesn't have the ability to reject information so when wait i lost my train of thought i was going somewhere with that way that happens people we were talking about the happens, we were talking about the mental act it could be the moscato it could be the moscato that's true that's true wait back me up though where we, are we going we're we're talking about the mental aspect of sports and getting over that mental hurdle of thinking that you know there's no way i could do that type of distance you know and you were talking about how their belief system's not set oh, up oh yeah that. so so the, the the two parts of the so the conscious and the subconscious okay so the conscious mind is the goal setter okay for those of you listening write this down the conscious mind is the goal setter again it's the part of you that makes decisions it decides the subconscious mind is the goal getter Mm. okay this is the reason why like someone can say well like in in my field you know when i was in sales i want to make a hundred thousand dollars this year great consciously you do you really do but your subconscious mind is programmed for thirty thousand dollars a year you get it right so your your subconscious mind works like a thermostat and not a thermometer if Right now on my thermostat, my temp- the temperature in my house is set at 74 degrees. A thermostat regulates the temperature. So I can set the temperature of whatever I want to keep my house. If the temperature, if I leave the door open and it gets too cold, the heater will kick on and raise the temperature back up to 74. Are you with me? Mm-hmm. If I turn the oven on and it gets too hot in the house, the air conditioner will kick up, kick back on until the temperature comes back down to 74. So it regulates the temperature. Mm-hmm. Your subconscious mind mm-hmm. does that with your goals. If you want to ride 100 miles, but subconsciously you've told yourself or you've convinced yourself or your self-image says, I could only do five. You can want the 100 all day. But when that five-mile mark hits, your subconscious mind is going to kick in and say, hey, we are at our limit. Don't your ankle hurt? <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you tired? Right. Isn't there something else you need it to happens do? To, yeah, it happens to me all the time. And I know I'm not the only one out there, but classic scenario. It'll be like Monday, right? And I'm thinking, all right, the weather for this upcoming weekend is going to look, it's looking really good. It's going to be sunny. It's going to be in the sixties. I'm going for a ride and I want to do a long ride because we got nothing planned at home. Everybody's just sitting around and I can take the time. Stephanie's giving me the time to go out and do something. So I want to go for a 60 mile bike ride. I got the route planned out. I got my drinks. I got my, my food. And then I'll get 30 miles into this ride. And I'm like, huh, I want to go home now. I don't know if I want to finish this. 60. You know? <laughs> Physically, I know I could finish the 60, but mentally it just, you know, and maybe it's just me. I don't know what it is, but, you know, I always start thinking, well, I could be mowing the grass right now, or I could take the kids to go play soccer right now, or I need to put a new seal on the bottom of the door, or I need to organize the garage. You know what? I'm going to turn around. I'm just going to go home and get that stuff done, you know, and I'll talk myself out of it. And then I'll get home and I'm like, gosh, dang it. Like, why did I do that? I had 30 more miles left in me, you know? Right. Think about it. Think about it this way. Right. Imagine a horse. And I remember one of my mentors, uh, he showed me this. He said, imagine a, a, you know, a thousand pound horse, but then you have a little girl sitting on top of the horse. Right. Now, when we were in Cancun, Mexico, uh, last or for Thanksgiving, we went on this trail ride with the horses. Right. And my wife was on one horse. I was on another horse and there was like six other people with us and they were all on horses as well. But these horses were trained to be on a specific trail, right? So the question is, how could they let eight people who have never ridden a horse before <laughs> mm-hmm. control these horses by themselves, get on these horses with nobody else around us and 
walk this trail? Well, that's because the horses mm -hmm. have already been trained to rock, to walk this specific trail. So even if, and then there was some times where people would take the reins of the horse like me, and I would move the horse off the trail. And the first thing the instructor would yell from the back is let go of the reins. And whenever I let go of the reins, do you know that horse went and got right the hell back in line? Yep, autocorrect, auto -correct, right? Yep. So imagine your, your, your conscious mind is you, the rider, on top of the horse, but the subconscious mind is the horse. Now, that horse is 10 times more powerful than me. Well, your subconscious mind is 40 million times more powerful than your conscious mind, which is the mm -hmm. reason why you get to mile 60 and then your subconscious mind kicks in and goes, all right, well, this is concludes our self-image. A <laughs> hundred miles does not fit right. <laughs> in our self-image. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so yep. it starts giving you all these suggestions <clears throat> and feelings and all these other different things you could do. And then you cave into it because it'd be like me trying to fight this damn horse, right? If this horse decides to do what it wants mm -hmm. to do, there's nothing I could do but try to jump off, right? So that's why you get back home and you go, why the hell did I do that? Because, yeah. and, and I want you guys to listen very carefully, you cannot outperform your self-image. That's good. You're, you're right. Whatever you see right. yourself as, that is all that you'll be able to do. If you do not see yourself as a hundred mile rider, you will never be a hundred mile rider. You can want to be a hundred mile rider, but unless you believe with your emotions, unless it's a certain fact inside your bones that you are a hundred mile rider, unless you can clearly see yourself at that finish line and you're emotionally involved with that idea, It'll never happen, no matter how bad you want it. Yeah, and I want to, I want to put this out there too because not everybody's a hundred mile rider, or not everybody. But they can is be if they want to. Distance runner. Well, what I'm getting at though is not everybody wants to be at that level. No. But what I'm getting at is what you're I saying. Don't. Goes, <laughs> what you're saying. Because I definitely don't. What you're saying goes for those people that have never done a five k and want to do a five k you know, or have never ridden a bike 10 miles yeah. and want to do 10 miles. It's the same thing. You know, whether, whether it's a hundred miles or 10 miles or a thousand miles, it's the same you thing. You know, the, I did a marathon you once. Know? Did I ever tell you that? I did no. a uh, 25 mile bike ride for diabetes. <laughs> and okay. I never, I never did more than like a mile or two on a bike before that. Like I never even practiced for it. We just got on a bike and did it. Right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my friends were like, yo, how did you do a 25-mile bike ride? You never trained for it. And my answer was, well, because nobody told me I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I just got on the bike and rode until right. the finish line. But you can't do you can't do 30 because they're going to tell you that right. you can't, you can't do, 30. do 30. unless you've been, you've been you know? practicing for so long. Like, nobody told me I couldn't do 25 miles. So I had no expectations. Yeah. But people hear like, oh, a hundred mile ride. How long you been riding? And somebody would go 10 years and then they automatically compute in their mind. It's going to take me 10 years to learn how to do a, a hundred mile ride. Right. When it's not true. You just get on and ride until you hit a hundred mm -hmm. miles. Hell, the bike does most of the work. Yeah, I mean, how bad do you want it? You know, because I hear all the time, you know, Ironman is, you know, one of the, well, it is the, the endurance sport that I got started in. And I listen to all these podcasts and I watch all these documentaries and, and it goes for any sport, but you hear this, the person that, that just took up the sport, they're 30 years old. They'd never run before. They never rode a bike before. And they just took up the sport. And now all of a sudden they're semi-pro and they're winning races. And then, you know, you got me on the other hand that, you know, I've been doing it for five or six years and it's, you know, it takes everything I've got just to get a little bit better. You know, I think it's how bad do you want it? Oh, Absolutely. And that goes to another thing that, you know, my one of my, my mentor, Bob Proctor, uh, who I actually learned directly from, um, he says, you know, 
are higher there's six higher level intellectual faculties that we have that separates us from uh animals and that's perception will reason intuition imagination and memory animals don't have those six higher level faculties the challenge is is that we use those mental faculties wrong the things that uh, the, the six things that allows us to create and be whatever it is that we want to be we use those intellectual faculties wrong like the one you're talking about with will will is that ability to focus and keep you you doing whatever it is that you want to do that will is that will is that that stubbornness right that allows you to continue to push through against all odds to complete whatever it is that you want to complete your ability to focus we use it wrong we use our will to keep us where we are, which is where we don't want to be. Mm-hmm. You can use your will like, to focus and ride that bike until you hit 100 miles, if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, you know, <clears throat> a similar situation that happened to me in the first Ironman that I did. So. For those of you that don't know, an Ironman is, is 140.6 miles, right? And I was 70 miles into this race, and I remember I was on the bike, and I just completely hit a wall. It was hot. My nutrition was off. I wasn't hydrated. And, I mean, I could have quit there, no problems, you know? And part of me was talking myself into quitting, and part of me was talking myself out of it. But you know, I, I knew I still had 70 miles to go and every bit of those 70 miles sucked so bad. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny. The one thing that I kept thinking about, well, there's there's two things. One is I told everybody back in California that I was flying to Colorado to do this race. And if I come home and don't finish this race, I'm going to have to explain every single time to every single person why I didn't mm-hmm. finish that race. Hey, man, how was the race? Well, let me tell you about it. You know, and I have to do that freaking speech a hundred times, you know? And then the other thing was I spent too much damn money at the at the merchandise tent getting all this swag. I can't not finish this race because if I don't, then I can't wear it all and I'm going to have to return it all. These are facts. But what I'm getting at is those were the two big things, you know, regardless of how big of a deal merchandise is or whatever. Those are the two big things that was willing me to get through that race. So what I hear you saying is, you know, is the the pain of not completing the race was greater than the pain of completing it. Yeah. And that, my friend, is the secret to doing anything. See, we're. Yeah, because let me tell you, that was a 16 and a half hour race. And I felt every bit of that 16 and a half hours. <laughs> It, I mean, all right, so I'm, you probably heard this before. I know the listeners probably heard this before. And, you know, they talk about walking a full marathon. Well, let me tell you, I literally walked a full marathon for 26.2 miles. I walked for seven hours and I was up against the clock the whole time. I, You know, the whole time I kept checking my pace and I'm checking, you know, the leaderboard tracker and am I going to have enough time to finish it? And by golly, I finished it. But man, I tell you what, I felt every bit of it. But you're right. The pain of going home and going through all of that was greater than, you know, pushing myself for that last seven miles. That's what Tony Robbins talks about all the time, right? Is that we are pain or pleasure creatures and we will avoid anything at all costs that our mind considers to be the most painful. And so all you did was, and so change doesn't happen until the pain of not changing becomes greater than the pain of changing. Right to the grain to the to the pain of not completing becomes greater than the pain of of completing. So that's why that accountability you were talking about of telling everybody that you were going to do the race was so important because you didn't want to look. The pain mm-hmm. of looking stupid you know was worse worse than the pain <clears throat> in your calf muscles. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. And you know I do the same thing now. And and we've had this conversation before. You know. Um, if any of my friends are out there listening, they know how annoying I can be because all I talk about is races and cycling and running and doing this and doing that. And, you know, they, they make jokes about it. But for me, 
it's it's kind of selfish, but I'm kind of doing it for me because by me talking it up to somebody else, I'm talking it up in my mind. And then that personally pressures me to complete that more so than it would be if I just kept it well, to myself. You're talking about one of yeah. the laws of, you know, vibration, right? And what we were talking about earlier is getting emotionally involved with the idea. You know, you when that we use when you get an idea, you had an idea of finishing that race. You had the picture in your head, and I bet you on many occasions you pictured yourself finishing that race, didn't you? You're not lying. You, you, I'm telling you, and <clears throat> this is going to sound I mean this is going to sound super corny, but I was listening to podcasts with um retired special forces soldiers and they were talking about how the different mental training that they went through and part of that training was um imagining and projecting you know um getting through that you know whatever they were doing if they were climbing to the top of the mountain or if they were you know trying to you know stay underwater or you know win that firefight or whatever the case may be they were they were thinking about that the whole time and what it looked like on the other side and um leading up to that race, I was constantly thinking I was, I would close my eyes and I would put myself in a position like, okay, I'm standing here with a wetsuit on. How cold is this water going to be? Okay. Now I'm a hundred miles into this bike ride. How sore are my legs going to be? And I would visualize myself crossing that finish line and thinking about how good it would feel to cross that finish line. So what you're talking about is literally one of the laws to success, right? Like the number one law to achieving anything you want, which is con this is imagining yourself getting it done and how you would feel when it's done and consistently using your will to consistently keep that picture in the front of your mind. And then it transfers down into the subconscious and then the body moves. Does that make sense? That's, that's mm -hmm. what you did. Absolutely. You literally reprogrammed your subconscious mind to say, this is what I want. Make it happen. And so when that, that time kicked in for you to quit, your subconscious mind said, nope, that is not <laughs> the idea that I am acting on. Mm -hmm. I am acting on finishing this race. So let me flash before you while you're thinking about quitting. Let me flash into the picture of your mind all the different people you're going to have to look stupid in front of. Now your mind is working for you to finish the race. Instead of giving you all the reasons to quit, your mind starts giving you all the reasons to complete it. Like mm -hmm. this is so much to teach in such a short period and of time. I like we can't teach it all in one 45 minute podcast or hour long podcast, but guys, this is it. This is, he is literally sharing nuggets with you of how to accomplish anything. That story that he just gave about him completing that 140 mile marathon that or Ironman that you just rewind and listen to that story until you get it. Listen to that story until you understand what we're talking about. He kept talking about it to people, which kept building brain cells that, that allowed him to move that idea into his subconscious mind, therefore forcing his body to make it happen. Yeah, you know, I never thought about it like that. I mean, obviously, you know, to me, it was just me being annoying, Brandon, and I'm just talking to people about doing this race and like, man, this is going to suck having to go home and tell everybody. You know? <laughs> but it's, it's, it's interesting to hear how you put it, you know, because yes. it all makes sense now. You, you, you but, just knew what you uh, knew, but most people are just victims of not knowing. They don't know how their mind works, Brandon. That's why they become victims of it. But learning how your mind works, and they don't teach this That's in school, but learning how your mind works is how you learn to get in a driver's seat. And so at Belief Theory, we give people the owner's manual. That's what we do. We give you the owner's manual. That's why they got to reach out to Steve Bacon. They got to reach out to you. That's why. Let me ask you a question. So <clears throat> what do you tell people that are not getting the results that they want or maybe they're not getting the results as fast as they want and they start losing motivation they start losing sight of their goals like hey coach steve i want to do this 5k race but i can't get past one mile or you know i signed up for this half marathon and i there's no way i just don't think that i can finish it 
And what do you start? What do you tell people in that situation? I signed up for this race. Okay, repeat that one more time. So you're, whether you're a physical coach or motivational coach, whatever, you've got a client that is starting to lose motivation and lose sight of their goals. Like they signed up for a race and now that self-doubt is creeping in. Mm. They're halfway through this process. They don't know if they can complete it or they just start losing motivation to complete it. Well, first of all, what do you say to them? The first thing I would let them know is uh, self-doubt is not a reflection of your potential. It's a reflection of your conditioning. That's one of the things that my mentor taught me Mm -hmm. a long time ago is that you're capable of doing anything. So the fact that you have doubt is not about your potential. It's just about your conditioning. Well, you've conditioned yourself to believe that you can or can't do. So that's number one. So the assumption that you can't complete it is false. Let's just make that clear, number one. Number two, those higher level faculties that we were talking about, perception, will, reason, uh, intuition, imagination, and memory, you're using them wrong. Mm -hmm. You're using your imagination instead of focusing on what's possible. you're You're using your imagination to think about or create a picture in your head of everything that can go wrong. And instead of using your memory to think about all the things that you've accomplished, you're using your memory to think about all the things that you failed at. Instead of using Mm -hmm. your um, will to push you through, you're using your will to back you into a corner. Right? Mm -hmm. that we use our higher level mental faculties wrong. I mean, this may seem like a very simplistic answer, but it is it. I mean, in a, in a way it is, but I know that there's people out there like myself that have never thought about this stuff. Oh, the way of you're course explaining not. It. You have to, you know, and it puts it into a whole, it, it, a whole it's new not picture. Anything like I literally had to go find this information, right? I have, mm-hmm. I have literally invested over $150,000 in coaching, training, mentors, and seed in seminars and, and programs to learn all of this stuff, to really dig in deep and figure out what I'm capable of. And I'm still learning about me. So it's not like it's not only just information that you can find on the street, which you can, because, but most people just aren't looking for it because they think that they're just stuck the way they are. And again, this stuff isn't taught in school. Right. So if no one ever teaches it to you, the likelihood that you'll ever learn it is slim to none. So you live your whole life in the passenger seat and never in the driver's seat. Yeah. You know, it. maybe I shouldn't say this. I don't want it to come off the wrong way, but I hate, like I absolutely, it kills me to hear people talk so negatively about their potential when I talk to them about a race. So they'll be like, Hey, Brandon, what'd you do this weekend? Oh, I signed up for a race. Oh, what race? Oh, I'm going to do a hundred mile century ride, you know, in a few months. You're crazy. That's absolutely crazy. There's no way. And I'm thinking <laughs> you have no idea because you don't own a bike. You've never tried to ride a bike. You don't know if you could right. do it or not. You've never pushed yourself to it. You've never even thought about it. So like, it kills me to hear people with this negative talk about something that they have literally right. never even tried right. before. But again, it doesn't compute with their and belief like, system. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, 100%. A um, couple of last quick questions, because I know you got you got something else coming up. You got yeah, some more belief theory belief stuff theory coming up here. We're so. studying right now the 15 invaluable laws of growth. So this is our last. Is it too is it too late to jump onto that? What if somebody uh, wanted to, to get onto that? All you have to go to beliefdeory.com uh, to sign up to be a part of our uh, community. And every Monday, uh, Mondays, uh, we do Monday Mindset, where I teach them the owner's manual to their mind. Uh, and on Wednesdays, we study a book of the month, uh, something that will help them install that abundance mindset and help them really understand what they're capable of and how to create a new belief system. So this month we're talking about, well, today is the last day we're talking about the 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth by John C. Maxwell. Uh, and starting next week, we'll be going through How Rich People Think by Steve Seabold. So that's, I'm really excited for that one. And full disclosure, so 
my wife, Stephanie is part of this group and she absolutely loves it, you know, and she's excited. I see her reading on the couch. I'm watching a movie. I'm like, Steph, are you watching a movie? And she's like, no, I'm reading. I'm like, gosh, dang it. You know, but I can't get mad at her because right. she's working on her, you know, she's, she's working on her personal growth and she's having fun with this club. You know, she's, that's fantastic. She's having a good time that is it. so but, good to hear. That is so, yeah, she so loves good it. to hear. Um, so you got that coming up here in just a few minutes. So let me, let me close this out. So we're, what do we got? One more day mm-hmm. left in this year. New Year's right around the corner. Um, I started my group, the 3030 New Year's Resolution Challenge, inside nice. of my Facebook group, which is Brandon's Bike Facebook group. So the goal of that group is to get as many people as I can to do any type of physical activity for a minimum of 30 minutes a day for 30 days mm. consistently. So one thing that I've learned over the years, and if you listen to my podcast, one thing that you'll get from my interview with Dave Lauderette one of the keys to success is being consistent, you know, and he talks about he'll take that bike rider that does, you know, 30 minutes a day, seven days a week over that bike rider that does, you know, two days a week right. and they're doing three hours right. a day, you know, just talking about being consistent. So the goal, my goal is to try to create a habit for people, uh, whether they're an elite athlete or a newbie. But just having that 30 days of every day doing something for 30 minutes and just try to create that habit. Hopefully at the end of that 30 days, they can build off of it. But leading up to that, you know, I've got people thinking about what their goals are and what their fitness goals are for the new years. And what do they want to do past that 30 days? So give me the quick and dirty. What recommendations do you have for people in regards to goal setting for physical fitness? That's a really good question. When it comes to physical fitness, uh, like I said, I'm a bodybuilder myself or former bodybuilder. I do strongman uh, now, currently today. Um, and I, I will talk about what's, what's best for me. And then let's see where people can relate to that. For me, it's about longevity. I want to feel at 60 as close as I feel at 36. Does that make sense? I, Yeah, absolutely. I Longevity wanna, in sport wanna, is key. I want to still be able to move at 60 the same way I'm able to move at 36. Mm-hmm. So that's what keeps me moving in sport. The other thing is, is as far as setting goals for fitness, it comes for me, it comes back down to self-image and your standards. What do you want? What do you want your body to look like? What do you want your body to respond like? Not even just a year from now, but 10 years Mm -hmm. from now. You need a vision for yourself. The good book says without a vision, people perish. If you don't have a vision, something to pull you towards it, right? Something so strong, an image of you so strong that, again, you are emotionally involved in that will pull you towards it with a strong reason for why you want that. You'll get knocked off at any point as soon as the the workouts become inconvenient. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Most people just say, well, I want a nice body, but they don't want a nice body for health reasons. They don't want a nice body for themselves. They want it because how they want to look in front of everybody else. Most people don't do these things for themselves. Mm -hmm. They do it for recognition. So when it gets inconvenient, they quit. So kind of that subconscious. You can't outperform your self image period. So you want to make it easier on yourself to do your workouts and complete whatever fitness goals you want work on your self image. Yep. You know, I talked in one of my previous videos about having using the word or using the acronym SMART for their goals. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you've heard of it. uh, Specific, measurable, achievable, relevant and time bound, you know, and then 
tell me what you think about this. But the other thing, personally, my recommendation, and I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, it's good to have a big goal. Like, let's say your goal is to run a marathon, right? 26 miles. But having smaller goals to help you get to that. So what I mean by that is, for me personally, if I sign up for a marathon six months from now, I'm going to have two or three shorter distance mm -hmm. races leading up to that. You know, so if your end goal is to run a marathon and then leading up to it, you did a 5K, a 10K, a half marathon, and then your ultimate goal is to run a marathon, you know, if something happens for some reason, you don't finish that marathon. Well, guess what? You still hit three of your other goals. You know, I, I definitely don't. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You know, and just, you know, just it kind of helps keep me motivated and keep that end goal in sight. If I have those those mile markers right, to check right. off, you know, what the here's the best advice I can give when it comes to setting goals. And it's what you'll hear anywhere in the realm of personal development. But when the why is strong enough, the how is easy. When the why is strong enough, the how is easy. It doesn't matter what your goal is, whether you want to do a 10K, 100K, you want to bodybuild, lift cars, doesn't matter. You have to have a strong reason for why you want to do it. You don't necessarily know how to have to do it. Right? Right. You just have to strong, you have to have a, a strong reason to do it. And as long as you have a strong reason, you'll figure out how. Yeah, as long as you have a strong why. Yep. But if your why is weak, we're giving yeah, people the when keys your to why success is weak, here. You'll leave that goal or you'll leave the pursuit of that goal anytime it gets conven inconvenient. Most people want what they want in life so long as it comes conveniently. And everything that they oh, want yeah, in sure. life resides outside of their convenience. So mm -hmm. they're saying what they want, but they want it a specific way. And that's just not how life works. So it doesn't matter right. what you want to do. If I had a strong reason why I wanted to ride 100 miles, I can go ride 100 miles next mo month if I wanted to. If, if it was my son was in the hospital, and this is what I mean by a strong reason. If my son was in the hospital, and the doctor said, in order for us to save his life, we need $25,000. And then I look at there's a 100-mile marathon that the, the prize is $25,000. The will to save right. my son's life, I could never ride a bike ever. But I bet you I'll complete that damn 100-mile race. And I bet you I'll probably win. Because my reason is so strong that when that first, that top guy stops to take a break, I'm going to keep going. Why? Because in my head, I'm picturing my son's recovery. That's why I have to finish. Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean by when the why is strong, the how is easy. People try to figure out the why. I mean, they try to figure out the how so without having a reason why. And then they wonder why they never stick through. Right. Right. Exactly. Yep, I see it all the time because excuses are easy you to come You have a by. thousand reasons to quit. You, know? you just need well, one good one to continue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to I want to run that marathon, but I don't have running shoes. I don't know how to run. I'm overweight. I'm out of shape. Look, there's no way I can do it. My father-in-law ran a 25 mile marathon barefoot. I am not bullshitting. In it's Hawaii. Doable. In Hawaii, he ran it in it. full <laughs> traditional Hawaiian gear, barefoot, 25 miles. You could do anything you mm. want to do. You, your body is magnificent. You could do anything you want to do. So if I had to sum up what you were saying just now about goals is essentially don't pick a goal, any random goal, just to feel like you have a goal, but pick something that you actually are truly passionate about doing and then your why will be there exactly. and the how unless you are out. emotionally involved with the idea you're never going to complete it yep no that's a good way to look at because you see it all too often with the new year's resolutions new year new me you know and then the first week of january the gyms are packed 
and then the second week it goes down, and third week it goes down, yep. and before New you know year, it, nobody's there. So long as it's convenient. Right. Right. Well, listen, man, I know you got to get going. You got your Facebook group coming up. Um, again, I wanted to say thank you so much for joining the podcast. I love talking to you. <laughs> I could sit here for another hour and just listen to you <laughs> and not say anything. You know, I just, I really, I absolutely love it. And um, I'm going to put all of your information in the show notes. But to make it easy for people, if somebody wants to Still go to touch you, dot com. where can they find you? Belieftheory.com. Right. Uh, on Facebook, what about, yeah, uh, right? do you have any social my, media? My partner would be like, um, what are you doing? Uh, on Facebook. Right. <laughs> See, that's, on Facebook, that's why you hire you somebody to Belief for Theory community. Um, and you can just request to join. That's where I do most of my Facebook lives and teachings. Um, especially when I have like epiphanies and things like that. Um, you could also look us up on Instagram at belief.theory um, as well. So believe dot theory on Instagram and the belief theory community on Facebook. And people listen, I'm telling you, I follow him on Facebook and he's always putting out, like he talked about epiphanies. He's always putting out these little nuggets, these short little videos. When he thinks of something, he'll sit down and do a live video. It is, you know, you, you can't ask for, you know, for more knowledge coming from somebody. I mean, he just takes the time out of his day to, to tell you what he's thinking and you'll walk away from that five minute video, just mind blown. So definitely check them out. Um, uh, what about email? Yes, can they email, they you? Can email me at belief theory, LLC.com or excuse me, belief theory, LLC at gmail.com. Okay. Belief theory. And, and just, you know, what you said, I'm a student. Um, none of my ideas I have originated. Um, there are no new truths. It's just, I've dedicated my life to finding these truths and sharing them with people because most people don't have the fascination with the human mind like I do. Um, but that still doesn't mean they don't want to benefit from this information. So, you know, I just study all day, I learn all day and share what I've learned, share what I've learned um, to cut people's learning curves so they can live a better quality of life. That's awesome. I hope the listeners are getting as much out of this as I am. Uh, I really hope you are. And um, please definitely do yourself a favor, spend some time on you for the new year, not just the physical you, but the emotional you, the, the mental you, and reach out to Steve. And he's I appreciate hook you, you up. brother. So, I'm Steve, proud of you. Thank you so much. Keep, keep I winning. I appreciate it. Keep winning. Yes, sir. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Buddy. All right. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed. Please consider following me and my adventures on Facebook at Brandon's Bikes. If you have any questions, comments, or special requests, you can email them to me at brandon at brandonsbikes.com. Until next time, train smarter, not harder, and enjoy the adventure.